It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Dacia sales event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Call in to see how shockingly affordable a new Dacia is in the new year. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I have the most beautiful book sitting on the desk in front of me here. And you know, we love our authors. We love books on Late Lunch. It's our forte, really. But a book like this to me, is extra special. It's the story of Dundalk Stadium, a celebration of racing at Dundalk since 1889. And it's been brought together by two wonderful men. You've met John Kerwin before on the show. He's uh, produced books on Late Town Races, on Bellius Town, and here's Dundalk now. You're welcome, John, to the show. And also with us is the wonderful Joe Carroll, former editor of Dundalk Democrat and sports fanatic and journalist and all-round good guy. You're welcome, gentlemen, to the show. Great to see you both again. Thank you. John, do you never get enough of producing these wonderful manuscripts? Well, when when you're halfway through it, you say, what am I doing this for? <laughs> but it's enjoyable at the same time and keeps keeps me busy for the winter. <laughs> <laughs> so you get these done in the short days so that yeah, you're yeah. ready for the spring and summer. Yeah. Tell me this, let's go right back uh, and racing and horse racing in Dundalk. The 28th of May, 1889, was the first meeting. That's right, yeah. It's a long time ago, 130 years. 130 years, yeah. How did it all, you know, the the genesis of it, how did it start up? Who was involved? Well, um, there there was a racing previously at different places around the dock. Claremont was one of them, and there was racing on Black Rock Strand. And, of course, there was always racing in Mullacurry, which was near Mm. enough it. And then I think there was um, a lot of businessmen on the dock were um, taught they should go ahead, try and organise it more formally. Okay. And um, the Dowdles Hill was the place Dowdles Hill, chosen. I think Dowdles Hill was a place where the British Army had their barracks and mm. thing and horses, obviously. So I think they may have raced around that particular area. Yes. Before the. Before race the, course the, the race course became established there. You yeah. know, 1889, it begins with the first meeting. Did yeah. it take off straight away? You know, the late 1800s, before the start of the of the Great War, racing every year? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was racing every year up to the... I think it may have missed a year or two in the war. Like We've, we've listed the names of all the people that were involved from the start. Yes, in the book. yeah. 
Obviously, I don't know them. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect you to yeah. either. But no, it's just to get a general sense yeah. for it starting up and racing yeah. hap- happening it gradu- every year. It gradually became, it started off with one meeting and then there was two the next year, I think. And it evolved into three and four days. Mm. And by the, t- by the time of the Second World War, there was five days. And after the World War, there was World War Two. there was five days for years and years, right up into the mid-60s. And then it gradually became more meetings were added on. Yeah. Ended up with 11 or 12 some years. In in, in a particular year. I saw that yeah, all right. In, in the 70s and 80s. What decade would be regarded as the halcyon decade of Dundalk racing if you were to pick one having done all this well, work? I'd say the 50s and 60s were harshest names that resonate with me anyway. Particularly the 60s. Like horses like Arkell won at Dundalk. Yes. Right? most of Tom Draper's good horses ran and won at Dundalk mm. I'll just go back to the first year a horse called Eglantine won it uh, owned by the Gradwells from Doubt and it actually won the Grand National a couple of years later Okay, the Irish Grand National Yes, and it was the, the, the dam of Dro- the horse called Drogheda it was a great horse that went on to win the English Grand National in 1898. Okay, so big connections there yeah, with yeah, with yeah. Aintree and, and the UK as well. Yeah. But you mentioned Arkell there, of course, that was National Hunt racing. And you had National Hunt and Flat yeah. on the old course, both. Dundalk always had a lovely mix of, yes. of uh, racing. Start with a couple of hurdles, a flat race, a chase, another couple of flat races and a bumper. And it was a mix I think Irish people liked and there, don't really get it now because you either have a flat meeting or you have a national hunt. Of meeting, course, yeah. Except the Galway who mm. retained. You mix it a bit in Bellystown though, don't you as well? Oh no, we've no. gone. We've gone to the all flat. No, an all national hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that you, you don't have that mix. Well, it's cheaper to run it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, economics again. Yeah. It doesn't just permeate Speak. everything in life, Joe. It's all languages. Oh, it does indeed. <laughs> Joe, welcome to the show. You're Thank here. You very much. And, and uh, congratulations to both of you because you should sort of divided the task up. You've done well, the horse racing, I should, John. I should say, like. Fiona Hearn is oh, yeah. should Absolutely. be in here and yeah. she's the most responsible. I am going to mention her now. Yeah. Fiona Hearn, would we call her the project manager of the whole thing, Joe? Yeah, she drove the whole thing yeah. at the very start and she, uh, of course, editor of the book. Yes. But uh, she was the driving force behind it. She recruited me. John, had, the two had worked together quite often in the past. This was a first for me as Fiona came on to me and I thought at the beginning there was only a matter of uh, one article. That's the way I led to believe one article, and I said, "No problem. I knock out about a thousand words." Well, <laughs> uh, meetings followed meetings, and the article I think ran to about three or four thousand words. But in addition to that, well, we better get an article on so and so. We better get an article from so and so, and that's the way the whole thing grew. Yes. It grew on me, so it did. Ah, well, you know what? It comes through. I have to say, Joe, yeah. in the book. Now the dogs were a bit later. The ramparts, nineteen thirty. Nineteen thirty. The rampart on the ramparts. The first meeting was actually held on the. Delhi Grounds in 1930. Now, it's known as the iconic Delhi Grounds because it was the venue for so many sports. Uh, Dundalk FC played their home games there. Dundalk Rugby Club played their home games there. And, of course, there were All-Ireland uh, Athletics Championships held. So, it, uh, Greyhound Racing, well, as I said, the first meeting was in 1930. It wasn't suitable for Greyhound Racing because they couldn't bank the bends, camber the bends, so therefore it had to find another uh, venue. But when the Dundalk, it let grounds ran for maybe about uh, a year or maybe 
thereabouts but they moved next door and there was a track there within a year in 1932 was the first at the, at the, the old ramparts and it stayed open until 2000 How many meetings were there a week? John was telling us about you know how the horse five meetings generally and then it, there was up to 11, 12 at the horse what about the dog? The dog had three meetings per week Per week? From the very almost from the very start And what night? Monday sorry it's Friday, Saturday and Monday Okay Saturday Friday used to be the big night then mm. Saturday became the big night and it really you were talking to John there about the Halcyon days well I think the 70s and 80s were really big in Dundalk the Greyhounds they really were really were it was, it was a wonderful uh, it was it was a wonderful track it had a terrific atmosphere and there was great character about it so and of course they had the very best dogs in this country and the next ran there with the well you see Joe I have a little personal interest here because <laughs> my father Brendan was a greyhound uh, trainer in his time and we raced many a night in Dundalk and I'll tell you this for nothing the number two collar, the blue. Yeah, two blue. <laughs> I won a few bob on that collar yeah, at the time. You, you know when you'd be waiting, you know with small trainers Absolutely. and you're hoping you'll get a winner now and of again course. and you're, you're, you're down there and of then course. the night comes and you get the That's win. Right. It's looking to beat it, John. Right. Yeah, it was, it was, as I said, it was a terrific atmosphere and Saturday nights in particular were wonderful mm. from a racing point, a racing point of view and from a gambling point of view. Uh, the Saturday night meetings, you'd have the... Saturday night. Saturday used to be the big day for the horses in Ireland. You'd have the Metropolitan meetings, uh, uh, Leopardstown, Phoenix Park, Baldoyle, and you'd have the Northern punters coming home and the stop off, stop off in Dundalk. And it really was. It was ending up to twenty bookmakers there and all bets. Oh, all, I can still see it in <laughs> my mind's eye. Bets of all sizes were accommodated, uh, so they were. But it, it, it was a terrific time. Mm, it was great, a terrific time. Great, great memories. Again, John mentioned like the horses that won and raced top level. Level, uh, on the uh, the horse racing track at Dowdle Hill, the best of dogs. Oh, it did. Came to it, it was the international that brought that about. The international was introduced. PJ Carroll's they were the first sponsors of it in 1968, and it's still on, it's still being run. Uh, it really grew during the 70s, and it wasn't it wasn't unknown to have the Irish Derby winner pitted against maybe the Scottish Derby winner and the English Derby winner. So that was that sort of a race, and it, it really was a very popular race in England and. Practically every year, you'd have maybe two or three dogs coming over for England. It was mm. terrific, great stuff on the fifteenth of August. Can I say to both of you the collection of photographs that you've included in the book yes. from you know the the dog racing point of view and the horse racing are marvelous, going yeah. right back, back yeah. uh, you know, to the early days. And one man I want to mention is Paul Cavanagh. Yes, Paul. Paul has provided quite a few pictures, hasn't yes, he, to he the has, book yes, from his yes, his, collection. his right. collection as well. That's right. Was that a difficult call, you know, or who made? That that call was it Fiona what to leave in what to oh you know there are many uh, John will agree there are a lot of photographs left out but you just couldn't accommodate all the photographs yes. you had so it was a matter of picking the ones that maybe suited the story and there are the features on different trainers and so on and so forth so we tried to get photographs connected with them into the book so I think mm. it works it, it works now and then there are some great photographs from the sprint and from the international the colour photographs yes. they're terrific yeah. they're all taken in recent years but Paul took photographs come back maybe to the 70s his, or his 60s perhaps yes. and his daughter now has that collection Paula yeah Paula has yeah. that collection yeah very wonderful, good wonderful collection that's a wonderful collection are you happy are you, ha you know you've been through this before you know maybe you're first for Joe and decide no we want that one we need to include this one leave that one out yeah Oh yeah, I'd sure. Uh, there's loads of photographs I'd love to put in it. Mm. So um, just had to go with the amount of it. Yes. Know, and then we had to kind of leave plenty of room for the 
greyhound photographs as well. Yes, yeah. Know. Oh, listen, we got detente on that. There was no yeah. problem with that. There was yeah. a, you have a lovely swing and balance, yes. I have to say, yeah. through the book. want to take just a short break. The boys are staying with me. This book is fantastic. <laughs> I highly recommend it. And it's been launched, just to tell you, on Monday, Monday next, the second in Dundalk Stadium. And Des Cahill, you know Des, the famous uh, Des Cahill from, of Raising Fame. He's the MC on the night. But we'll tell you more about that in a minute. John Carroll and Joe Carroll are with me on Late Launch, a celebration of racing at Dundalk since 1889. A brilliant, brilliant new book. Now, you can both come in on this one uh, because... It's fair to say that there was a time when it looked as if, uh, Joe, I'll throw this to you first, uh, living in Dundalk, that both sports were in danger of actually going out of business forever. Absolutely. That was in the 1990s. Both sports went almost in tandem, went downhill rapidly. And as Dundalk, uh, the race course was first to close, I think. And then the dog track closed in 2000. And I honestly believe that there was a danger Greyhound Race might never come back. And it did. Uh, the people, uh, the track people, had a vision, had, and so had uh, Pascal Taggart, who was board and grand chairman at the time. And together they worked and they got the dog track up and running. And then after that, it was in two thousand and three. After that, it was a matter of getting getting the horse racing on board, and that was a that was a bigger struggle. Now I'd have to say that was a struggle, and. I don't think there was a great a lot of support for the idea of it coming to Dundalk. I think they were looking for in a more central uh, location and all the rest. But Dundalk fought tooth and nail and won out. And you have a facility there now. It's there's nothing like it in Ireland. Like we talk, I talk about the ramparts and I talk about it being having character and atmosphere and all the rest. But as a facility, it wouldn't compare. It wouldn't compare. Like to me, this is one of the finest sporting facilities in the country. And it can caters for two sports. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, people might not agree with all weather racing. I I love the old track in Dundalk. I love the grass track, so jumps and so on and so forth. But for uh, for the facilities that are there, you couldn't beat it. Yeah, and unprecedented it was, John, at the time yeah. for yeah. horse racing and greyhounds yeah, to yeah. come together. Yeah. What do you make? You know, Joe's talking there about about the all weather and and the all weather for for the racing. Of course, you can't have hurdles now. It's on the flat, the whole thing. What's the, the, the perception of that in, in the racing fraternity? Well, I suppose a lot of lads don't particularly like all-weather racing. But it serves its purpose there, especially... There was no flat racing in Ireland from when the flat season ended in yeah. the end of October right up to St. Patrick's Day. So it's been a marvellous boon to the... Trainers, particularly smallish trainers. Yes. Keeps them going over the winter, keeps the jockeys going. Owners, obviously. And it's a absolutely marvellous facility altogether. Mm. And I noticed that the bigger trainers are actually bringing oh, yeah, their horses yeah. to oh, it now. Aiden. They might have been a little bit indifferent early on. Not anymore. No, no, no. no. Aidan O'Brien and everyone. Yes, they're all Dermot there. Well, Michael Halford. They're all uh, uh, Aidan O'Brien runs great one horses I had to prepare mm. them maybe for the Breeders' Cup mm. if he feels the need to do so. Just to illustrate the point that uh, John made there about uh, small trainers and all the rest, it's past number of weeks. 
Uh, the season should be over. It would be over in the old days at this stage, but now it's going on. There are eight races in every card, and uh, I think last Friday there were reserves in each race. So that's now there wouldn't be great quality horses, but the, the demand is there for races, and mm. it helps the, the smaller yeah. trainers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ne- nearly every week there's reserves in every reserves race. Every race. Yes, which is uh, really encouraging. Mm. And you mentioned uh, Joe about the geography of it, but when you look at the whole island, you know what I mean, and the road network Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. You know Absolutely. what I mean, the accessibility. Sure, you know it, it, it's fantastic. Absolutely, well, it's halfway between yeah. Dublin and Dublin. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yes, yes. I was delighted, may I say, to see Jimmy Martin. Uh, I want to mention the late yeah. great Jimmy Martin there, and uh, in photographs uh, w- with the dog and the Martin family played Martin such family. a big part. That's right. That's you know right. what I mean in, right. in racing. Uh, Jimmy was a leg- he was legendary he was as a fantastic. as a manager. His family, as you say, were in, uh, involved in the track. His nephew is now the CEO. Jim is the CEO, but. Jim Jim was a, Jimmy was a wonderful uh, grader of dogs and as I talked there about the 70s and 80s, it's no coincidence, coincidence that Jimmy was manager then. He brought the whole thing. He was a man of impeccable integrity, so he was. And that is important. I was there the opening night in the new stadium with Jimmy. He That's was right. there on the That's opening right. night the, and, the spectator. my God, he was just overjoyed. That's right. He was. It was yes. a dream come true for him. Yeah, you know? uh, Jimmy, a wonderful man. Yeah. Another name's Morris Downey from the locality. Right. I see Morris in there, the Downey family, right. the Monaghan's from Rada, Paddy and his wife I, I remember all Jack O'Smith his daughter right. now is racing there the Powderly's Brenda's right. in that's the right. book and the Collins family you know you could go that's on right. and on that's and right. all the trainers in Louth and Mead who oh. support it well, yeah, and, and there's another wonderful connection there with the very start, the Jones boys from Carrick Macross. Their father, uh, Pete Jones, he was a great trainer. He had a great dog called Jimmy John, national record holder, actually won the international. The boys now are carrying on the good work, and the, there's an article on them there, uh, and uh, they're hoping that the next generation will come along, and I'm sure it will, because I see some of uh, Lawrence's sons there helping out and all the rest. There is that family connection. Yeah. That's the great thing about it. And there is the passion for the greyhounds, the passion yeah. for for the horses as well that's inbred into us here yeah. in Ireland as people Me Hello Hair is just inside the front cover yeah, John right. lovely yeah. picture in yeah. Dundalk yes. Yes. a famous commentator yeah. as well yeah. and Erskine Childers I, right. I see him in there that's right. President of Ireland that's right the great and good they all came didn't they they went they racing indeed, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's a a grace, it was a great Northern connection too with the horse racing I don't know with the dogs but they were great for coming to Dundalk and any meeting that's yes. striking range of them at all, like Ferryhouse and Navin, and mm. but there, I'd say it'd be more northern or stare a race meeting probably than locals nearly would have. There would of course, and the same applies to the great hunters too. The great hunters, maybe same. not so much now. Yeah. But over the years, when the dock was at its height. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have eighty uh, percent, maybe seventy percent of the greyhounds would come from the north. Mm. They were great supporters, mm. and they still are because they have no track now in Lifford, no track in uh, Dungannon. Yes, and uh, the, the two Belfast tracks are gone, Dunmore and Celtic. So they're just of the two, just the two now, Derry mm. and Drumbo, and yeah. Dundalk has it's been a good facility for these for sure. these trainers but they have supported it and Newry in particular was a great supporter mm. of Dundalk and I, I was just thinking in the era when, when it was in doubt and that you had Baldoyle disappeared for, yeah. for racing yeah. Phoenix Park That's went right. you know That's there was right. pressure on there were, these That's are dropping right. off That's the right. map all over the place right. so great tribute to, to both sets of people oh, the absolutely. horse racing and yeah, greyhound yeah, people yeah, who are coming yeah, together to produce what's there today right. it is it's it's great tribute to all those people 
back in the when they started getting into trouble financially, I'd say yes. in the late sixties, seventies, that they kept it going. Yep, from one meeting to the other. Mm. And Thank God for them. We yes. wouldn't be here today. Yeah. You two boys wouldn't have had all the fun and joy you've had <laughs> well, in yeah. putting this beautiful book together either. Just think about that. Yeah, yeah, and we yeah, wouldn't yeah. have this brilliant launch coming up on Monday. Look, I'm going to leave it there for today. I thank you both for joining me in the studio. And say again, congratulations to both yeah. of you. It's simply wonderful. You've got to get this book for <laughs> Christmas. If you have somebody who's been involved in the GGs for years, if you have someone in the Greyhound game, this is the gift yeah. for Christmas. And by the way, I mention it again, the launch, Monday, this coming Monday, the 2nd, half past seven, in Dundalk Stadium. The boys will be there. Des Cat will be there. There's other guests coming along as well. Rob and Dave Kearney. Oh, <laughs> dropping names now in earnest. The Carney Brothers books will be there. You can buy them, and this book will be available. I think I think it maybe it'll be available as a track record. Yes, I think there'll be a stall set up in the Marshes Shopping Centre. Great, Dundalk. I'm so so humble. It'll be available across the northeast. Yeah, we yeah, promise yeah. you. The story of Dundalk Stadium, a celebration of racing at Dundalk since 1889 by John Karen and Joe Carroll, surefire winner in my book. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank <laughs> you for joining me. Great, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. It's one of my annual rendezvous at this stage. Don't laugh, you. And when he comes calling, I love it, and I know you love it too. I'll say hello again to Tommy Fleming. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. hello. It's great to be here, as always. It was a nightmare getting here, I'll be honest. (laughs) Um, I left, I did, I made a huge mistake because I was in RTE this morning. Am I allowed to mention the competition? Um, go ahead, in, go in, ahead. They're their own troubles at the minute. Go on, <laughs> Absolutely. Go on. I was in RTE this morning on the Sean O'Rourke show and I thought, which way will I go? I've loads of time. I don't have to be in LMFM until 20 to 2. And this is at 12 o'clock. And I said, will I go out the M50 or will I just go through the city? And I thought, I'll go through the city. It won't be too bad. I got here at 10 to 2 and I left at 12 o'clock. <laughs> and not a farmer in sight. Not, not a tractor to be seen. But you know, anyway, I'm here, I'm here. You're here, I'm which here, is grand. the main thing. Yeah. And I have to say, you're looking well because you must be still just recovering. You're barely off the plane from uh, Australia. I am. I'm less than a week off the plane from Australia. Um, and kind of last night was the first full night's sleep I had. Genuinely. Um it's it. Do you know what? I think the the jet lag is getting worse with every tour I do there. When I go there, I don't know whether I'm having. When I'm having my breakfast, I should be having my dinner. When I'm having my dinner, I should be having my breakfast. <laughs> and when I come home, it's the opposite way around. When I'm having my dinner, I should be having my breakfast, and so on. But um, yeah, it's look. It's 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 a bloody. It's it's a. It's a killer of a journey. Um, mm. And somebody said I, I was grand when I was in my twenties and mid thirties, I suppose, but. I'm getting closer to 50 than I want to admit. But anyway, I, I, somebody said to me one day, is it really bad? And I said, you know what? I said, I thought it was okay because I used to say to myself, it's only 10 movies, you know, from London to Sydney or from Dublin to Sydney. But, um, I, I, do you know what? I, I'm, I, I'm glad to be home, Jerry. I'm really, I'm happy to be home. Has that anything to do with what you saw out there? Because I know you came close to these fires that we're yeah. seeing news of in this last number of weeks. Hmm. Um, I've, as you know, I've and many, lots of people know. I, I've had I've had a love affair with Australia for years, and I would I would have called Australia my second home because I spent a lot of time there. Um, this time was different for me. Um, this time I went on my own. Tina wasn't with me, which made it a bit harder, a lot harder actually, if I'm really honest. Um, and I w- we finished in a place called Caloundra. We finished one of the shows, and I said I wanted to drive south myself, so I was driving down from Queensland towards New South Wales on the Pacific Highway 
and the fires were very close at that point. Um, and what really upset me, I think, was to see the wildlife fleeing from them, crossing the roads, and the cars were like they were trying to slow down, but there was get things getting killed. There was, um, it. I'll be honest, and I, I'm a big, I'm a big animal lover and wildlife lover, and. I found that very hard to take. I found it very, very hard to take and thought it might be raining out there and it might be pissing down. But do you know what? It's not that bad. Do you know? Well, you know, it gives us another perspective because I've been moaning about the weather here the last few Actually, days. We all moan the about the weather. Yeah. It's an Irish thing. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah. We're never happy. You mm. know, it's too wet, too dry. You know, that usually it's yeah. too windy. But look, when you're there and you experience it firsthand and it has that impact on you, I'm hearing what you're saying. But your love of Australia is immense. And listen... Look at the following you've out there. Look I know, the no, don't get me wrong. I'm not giving out, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying as, as, yeah. as it is. Yes, um, yes. You know, like the morning, uh, the last morning I had in Sydney was last Wednesday and I woke up and I opened the door in the apartment and all I could smell was smoke. And the city was engulfed in smoke. And I looked out and I thought, I'm bloody glad I'm going home today. <sighs> You know, little, I, little blessings, little things, and yes. I, I got into my Uber and I bolted out to that airport and I got into my plane and I texted Tina and said, "On my way, darling." I'm never complaining about the rain again. You've just, <laughs> you've just sorted me forevermore, Mister Tommy Fleming. You mentioned your love of wildlife and animals. I've been looking at um, your little uh, social media you, world as well, yeah. and there's two lovely little dogs there. Tell me, there's one new one, is there, and one that's been at your side uh, a while? Yeah, Teddy is the older one, Ted, Mr Magoo. And I think people know the dog better than they know me at this point. <laughs> um, and I, see, I live in a lovely area, Jerry, and I love it. what I love where I live is I have the beach five minutes from me and I have the woods five, ten minutes from me. So I have a choice of either or if I want to go for a run or a walk or whatever it might be. And of course the two, as I call them, the two terrorists come with me, you know. <laughs> and um, I... I, I, Teddy, I, we, I got Teddy ten years ago, and he's—I know what breed he's. He's a cross between something and something and something. He's, he's a beaut. I, I call him an American. You know when you meet the Americans and they say, "Oh my God, I'm Irish." Well, I'm not. I'm fully Irish. I'm part Irish, part Dutch, part Comanche Indian. So I call Teddy the American because he's part of it. <laughs> I love it. But um, <laughs> the Yank, and um, and then we rescued Jody. Uh, she's a little Yorkie. We rescued her last Christmas, just before Christmas. We had three dogs at the time. Um, well two and then we rescued Jodie with little Robbie who was 18 and he died a few weeks later from old age but he had a great life he had a great innings you know um, and now we've got this little madam who just has is ruling the roost she's ruling it very much and I'm speaking them like they're kids but um but, but they are in your they house. Are, they are really. And you know, like the, our kids are grown up now, and they're, they're part of the two dogs are part of everything we do. You know. Yeah. And yeah. Um, do you know what I love about them is their unconditional love of you. No matter how bad your day was or anything else, they come home and they make your day better. They do. And I always said, if Teddy could talk, I'd be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so you won't be seeing Dr. Doolittle in Sligo anytime soon to do the interpretation, no, that's no. for sure. I know exactly what you're saying. And two things. You know, when you lose them, and I've lost them over the years. It's an awful, it's heartache. Breaks it's, your heart. Breaks, breaks, breaks your heart. And unfortunately, they're not with us long enough. That's the problem. Yeah. And we live through many lives that they don't. And look, at I've had, since I was a child, I've never had not had a dog, you know? And... The animals are a huge, have been a huge part of my life all my life. I grew up on a farm and God rest my father. God, he was the gentlest man in the world. He would, 
Have I said to him I didn't want a cow or a heifer or a bullock going to the to go going to the factory? They, they didn't go. You, you know? had that much sway, had I you? Was I was the youngest. I had all the sway. <laughs> 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 Absolutely, um, and uh, you know that's uh, look. I've I've grown. I've had a great life, thank God. And you know, there's been tough times, like everybody's. But mm. I look at the. I count the blessings. You know, and mm. you know, somebody said, "Do you count your blessings?" And I do. And I said, "There's certain things that I count twice." You know, and I. I look back, I suppose it's an age thing, I think, is it? And I'm not trying to say I'm getting older or anything else. I'm getting, I'm getting sensible. Yeah, but there is a melancholy comes with age too. Because then there you, is actually, yeah. Oh, no, there is, Sammy. Yeah. And I, I have it at the moment. And you think of your parents and that as well. And, you know, you're at an age now and you looked at them at that age when you were younger. Mm. And now you realise. I'm that age. Yes. Yeah. When I looked at them at that age, I thought they were ancient. Of course we did. Yeah, I was only a child. You and know? here's us running around in jeans Jeez. and tight pants and everything <laughs> with hairdos. And the la- I know, I know what you're talking about. But look, at, come back to the last thing, because seriously, we we, met, we talked about your mum and dad before and, yeah. and, and the tragedies you've had. But in, in, in recent times, it, you lost two brother-in-laws at young enough ages as well. My the first brother, my first brother, um, Vincent Tui, my sister's husband and father of my three gorgeous nieces, um, Kira, Catherine, and Nora, uh, passed away very suddenly from a heart attack at fifty-one, two years ago, um, which was uh, tragic because to see the kids left without their dad, without with the, my sister left without her rock, her husband. Um, you know it's the only time in your life when you look and if you could take the pain away you would and if you could take the pain for them you would and you can't unfortunately um, and then last July Tina lost her brother Mart my brother-in-law and not only was my brother-in-law but a great friend at 50 to a heart attack suddenly tragically um, and a father of two great kids um, Holly and Jane and husband um, Alina my sister-in-law and when you weigh all of that up, um, and over, I suppose, over a period of eight, ten years, we've lost a lot of people. And it has its effects. Don't get me wrong, it has. But it doesn't, I think it makes you softer and it makes you, and I mean that in a nice way now. I mean, it, you value different things in a very different way. Um, and what once was a priority to you now doesn't matter. Um, so it's... Over the years has been tough, um, but it's life. Um, and you just sometimes... I remember my father once said, it was a great line, I always look at life like the glass is half full. I've always done that all my life. I've, I have a positive side to me, thank God, that um, gets me through a lot of tough stuff. And I remember somebody complaining one time. Um, in uh, we were, I don't know where we were. I was young anyway. My dad was with me and... And they said, and my dad said to him, would you not look at the glass like it's half full, Mick? And he says, no, no. He said, I can't look at the glass. It's never half full. I don't know. And he was giving out, giving out. And my father said, well, you'd want to find a, a, a <coughs> smaller glass. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly said it there. Jesus, I'd be rude if I said it. Um, and that kind of kick gave me a kick in the arse when I was a teenager that I needed. And sometimes, yeah, life does throw you lemons in a lot of them. And you just have to get on with it and you get up in the morning and get on with it, you know. Absolutely. Tommy Fleming, one of my favourites, every year is with us on Late Lunch. And listen to this. Look what I have here before me. I know they love these. I have Tommy Fleming, Voice of Hope, recorded live at Galway Cathedral, Ireland, 
two CDs here. We have three DVDs as well. Would you like to bring this man into your home very soon? So personally, get up close and personal with him. Would you like a copy of... We'll, we'll mix them up here. Would you like a copy of the DVD of the CDs? Here's the question. It's shock and tough. What colour hair has oh, Tommy God, Fleming? That's actually debatable. That could be any colour. Oh, no, no. I, my answer's written in the book here and I'm sticking by it. <laughs> There's three letters in the answer. Oh, I've given it away now. 086 658. WhatsApp or text us now and we'll pick some winners. Oh, this man's in great form. I wish we had the microphone rolling there over oh, the geez, break. So but that, that's okay. just ours, Tommy. Now let's just keep that's like, that. That's, that's you, like putting a speaker into the confessional. <laughs> it, it would be. And that's so true. I want to remind you, and this is very important, Tommy is in the northeast very soon. He's at the Knightsbrook in Trim on the 26th of January. He's TLT, the TLT in Drogheda, 31st of January. And then the Carrickdale in Dundalk on the 14th of February. So all those dates coming up quickly in the new year. You can get tickets from the Knightsbrook, the TLT of the Carrickdale, or you can book with Ticketmaster as well. And, you know, there's a thing coming up on the 25th of December and all them people that love Tommy Fleming would love you even what's that, more. What's that line? And remember, Tommy Fleming ticket makes the ideal Christmas gift. <laughs> Isn't that the one? It's the man himself said it. Listen, you were talking about... Um, we were talking there off, and uh, even before when we were on uh, a few moments ago about life and the changing of life. Hey... You're busting a gut in the gym these days. Ah, I've been always busting a gut in the gym, in fairness. I, have you um, always been, yeah, I've a, always, a gym person? I've always been a gym man. I've always been an exercise man. Um, I'd go through phases where I wouldn't do it for a month and then I'd feel really guilty and I'd have eaten a load of crap for the month. Christmas is always an awful time for me. I could I could mill my way through a, a, a mountain of chocolate. <laughs> and, um, you know, and so... But, like, look, you have to live too. And... Um, but yeah, I, I, I do, I do the gym every day. I, I get, that's my first thing to have to do. It's not about a physical thing at all, Jerry. It's about mentally been, and, you know, I just think there's an awful lot of talk about inverted commas, depression and, and all of that. And sometimes I think that word is used too easily. Um, and it's, I, I just, I, I always, yeah, I've, I've, I've down days. Don't get me wrong, but I fight through it and I, I get to a point in, in exercise that really helps me um, helps me mentally helps me helps me separate the wheat from the chaff and lets me see the wood for the trees that's how it that, that's how it works for me in a way like if you didn't do it you know people t- they tell you this I've heard this in mm. the past or people who decide to take on to run a marathon and train for it or, or do their 3k 5k or whatever it, it becomes part and parcel of, of your you. life yeah. and your day and your routine now I'm not I, don't get me wrong I ain't going down the road training for a marathon I haven't got the energy nor the time to do that um, oh, Tommy never say never no I know I never say never but I, 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 I the gym to me is like where the headphones go on and I'm nobody bothers me and the doesn't, thank God there's no signal in the gym where I am so if somebody's trying to get me the only person that knows where I am is Tina so if there's a, God forbid if there's a really bad emergency she knows where I am you know um, so nobody can be ringing me or I can't be checking emails uh, you know and that's that's vital uh, the worst invention ever is this bloody thing the iPhone or the smartphone where you can everyone's got access to your life you know and but it is you know I was listening to uh, I was sorry I was watching a television programme recently where they said you know when you think about um, in, in terms of our health in life right um, drinking alcohol you yeah. know the, the, the damage that can cause smoking you know and, and how we re- educated people to say look smoking is really bad for you and obesity you know with, with the with the food 
this is the next this is the yeah, epidemic this, this that is the is epidemic here the now. smartphone and iPads that is the epidemic and you know we love them as well and we use them profusely mm. here and they're a fantastic aid to what we do but I think there needs to now be a time and place do you know what frightened me one day a friend of mine I was in their house and their three year old Sorry, I'm so kind of sweet when I'm talking to you. He's a fisherman's friend, have yeah, you? I have, yeah. Oh, geez, they blow the head in. No, no. And uh, you know I'm a fisherman, but they're not my friends. Go on. If Tommy starts choking and this ends abruptly, we have the song anyway. Go on, go on, go on. But I, the, his three-year-old, uh, they were in our house, and his three-year-old went up to our television, swiping the screen with his finger, trying to get the screen to move on the telly. And I thought, now we have a problem. You know? No, that's I, I know I'm chuckling there, but that... Sums it up. That sums it, it up. Yeah, it they've really become the does. babysitter. That's the problem. You know, whereas years ago, God forbid, or God rest me, parents, when you'd go into the pub with them for a night out, the bottle of TK lemonade and six bags of crisps was the was the babysitter. Then do you know what I mean? <laughs> we were talking about comfort food earlier on yeah. in the office. Louise, are you listening to Tommy? Red lemonade. And red. Every time I think red lemonade. Ireland is the only country in the, in the world that has red lemonade. Even England don't have red lemonade, I don't think. And the, the taste of the cheese and onion. Oh, with oh I love that was and salt. And then somebody put a packet of salt and vinegar in the middle, and I used to go mental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> salt and vinegar drives Tommy Fleming mental. Will you please remember that? Do you know what? Well, I meant to say this to you when you were back with me. You know, I do a lot of fishing in Loch Arrow in yeah, the yeah. springtime of the year. <clears throat> Isn't Sligo Town the most beautiful town? It is compact. Compact. Um, it's got everything that you need in it. Um, it's not a city, although they like to think it is. Um, I'm going to get shot for saying that. Um, but it's, I suppose I always say I live in a great part of the world, which is right on the sea. Um, I'm half an hour from Sligo and I'm 10 minutes from Ballina. So I have the River Moy one side and the ocean on the other. And um, I'm very blessed in blessed in every way. I'm blessed with family. I'm blessed with my life, my career. Thank God, and all is good. So touch wood, it stays like that. Well, can know? I say we are blessed to have you with us today to finish up. I'm delighted you popped in to have a chat with us. I'm reminding listeners again: Knightsbrook in Trim, the 26th of January; TLT Drogheda, the 31st of January; and Carrickdale Dundalk on the 14th of February. Tickets from the venues themselves and from Ticketmaster. I have the CD and the DVD. Voice of Hope too. Would you like? What colour is his hair? <laughs> Hold on a minute. It's Can going very no, grey. There's, there's loads coming in. Can, it's getting greyer by the, by, the, by the minute with this interview. <laughs> I have a grey one. Listen to this. I have to read this out. They're piling in here, okay, the answers. On. There's only one answer we're accepting and there's three letters in it. Somebody says strawberry bl- blonde. What the hell is strawberry? Can somebody explain strawberry blonde? Eliminated. To me? Sorry. You won't be in with a chance. You may go again. We're not accepting that one. Anyway, introduce it. This is your latest, and I love it. You really upped the tempo of a classic. I tell you what happened. We were. We, last year we were in the rehearsals for the tour, and I, have, I used to sing this song when I was in my teens. And I actually did a radio competition for Midwest Radio many years ago. And I won a thousand pounds doing this, singing this song. And I thought, you know, I'd love to kind of go back to where I was and all of that sort of stuff. So we reinvented this song, um, the old Brendan Behan classic. And this is a live recording from the final tour, the final show of the tour last year in the Borth Gosh in Dublin. Yes. This is the Old Triangle. Tommy, till the next time. Thanks, Jerry. As always, happy Christmas, happy New Many Year. Many happy returns. That's all. Thanks a million, man.
He's bringing it back home in two weeks' time. We've met him before on Late Lunch and he's back for a revisit to us this afternoon. I'm delighted to welcome the wonderful Oshin Leach from the Lost Brothers to Late Lunch again. Oshin, good to see you. How's it going, Jerry? It's going really well. Well, hey, you asking me, what about you guys? You're absolutely flying. New album, brand new single, tour. You're busy, busy, busy. It never stops, does it? Busy again. Yeah, we've a, a new new album coming February 7th and we've been away recording that, working over the last two years between Nav and Oma and Monaghan on, on a group of songs and then um, excited now to put them out. Yeah, Feb, Feb 7, we went over to Brooklyn, New York to record the album in the end with a, a guy called Tony Garnier, a great musician. A famous man. 
Yeah, he he he's been Bob Dylan's bass player for the last thirty years. So um, I'm a massive Dylan fan. I've seen him in concert maybe fifteen, sixteen times, and mm. uh, and we 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 were touring in Europe. Met him on the road. He was on a day off with Dylan. We were on a a, a day off. And we struck up a friendship years ago. My wife and I ended up going over to see them in Albert Hall in London. And he, uh, we texted him saying, look, we've written these songs in Navin, looking for a studio in New York. And he said, come on. <laughs> he, he had He's only off the road a week in, in a year, you know, because Dylan is constantly on the mm. never-ending tour. So we were, we were very lucky, very lucky. But luck comes with talent. Well, yeah, no, we, what we were lucky for the reason that he, because he tours so much, mm. that he um, he had a pocket of time, he had a pocket of two weeks, mm. and he said, there's this studio in Brooklyn called Strange Weather Studios, have a look at it online. And we looked it up and it had all this, these beautiful vintage microphones, the old Elvis RCA mics from Nashville, and we were just gobsmacked by the equipment they had, and and um, vintage gear that suited the songs we'd written so we just jumped on the plane went for it I remember leaving Navin that morning (laughs) (laughs) it was raining (laughs) (laughs) whatever else is it doing but you heard Tommy Fleming a few moments ago don't knock it he's happy to be home you know what I love the rain Uh, all our songs are about the rain or the moon (laughs) (laughs) well then you made your career you're telling me on the rain and, and look a lot of people have but look at there you go it's part and parcel of, of what we have in this country um, you mentioned the, the new album written in Monaghan mm-hmm. part written in Dublin yep yep and then you take all that and you go to put it down in New York yeah so Mark the other lost brother lives in Oma so yes the, the, Mark McCausland it, we say hello to him today and he, um, so the geographical midpoint for us is Monaghan. So we go up to the uh, West End Hotel there in Monaghan and they give us a boardroom. And it's like something out of Alice in Wonderland because there's this 50 metre long board table. And Mark and I sit either end of this table writing songs. Very strange, but they allow us to do it. And we, we, we wrote there for a few months on and off. And we, we waited until we had maybe 15 songs that we thought were, were okay, were we were happy with and then we took them to Crumlin and um, demoed them there with a guy called Steve Shannon and then and then we were lucky enough to go over to Brooklyn and, and record the final version so they kind of go through a filtering system mm. of our own until we feel that they're, they're crafted to a point that we're happy with You're 11 years on since the first one in 2008 your debut album Trails of the Lonely yeah. Now the world of you know selling records or CDs, whatever you like to call them, even in that space of time, has been absolutely yeah. spun around. It's Sorry a, for the pun. Yeah, with the, with yeah, the, no, with the, but it's spun back to the vinyl in a way. Um, how do you now, you know, make money on your music? Yeah, it has. It's changing so fast, I actually don't keep up with it. I, I like we, We're old-fashioned. We still press up CDs and we still press up vinyl. We love the vinyl. We love the artwork and we love to have the, the vinyl uh, as a thing and you open it and see all the sleeve notes. And then obviously we're on the Spotify and everything which has re- revolutionised it all. It's You know what, for us, Jerry, it's gone back to the live show. Everything is about staying gigging, you know. We're, we've never really been, uh, I don't know, we've always been a live band, I suppose. Yes. And that's where we thrive. And that we, we, we love, if a live gig is going well, that's where the magic is for us. Well, I'm, I'm talking to you about this, and, and, and I mentioned... 
Coldplay, for example, who, who have a new album, and, and, and they're talking in the very same terms as you. Okay. Even they find it difficult to monetize new music themselves. So, again, I heard them talking about the tour, and then they say, because of this environmental catastrophe actually not going to tour now you know wow. do these long yeah, yeah, distance yeah. things and, and big stadium tours they're putting their mind to this to do it I don't know whether you heard this in a different type of way okay. but we await an announcement on that but it is a challenge for the great and good this conundrum it is yeah and I mean we'd be, we'd be gigging on a much smaller level than mm. Coldplay but it's the same yeah I mean Mark and I were a two piece so mm. there's two of us with two guitars and yeah. that's it so we can jump a train or jump a bus and um, and we're lucky in the, in that way that we don't have the big live yes. setup. Yeah. But but it has. I mean, the music industry it's changing so quickly. You know, it's someone actually told me that vinyl is is coming back, making a comeback hugely. You know? Yeah. Absolutely hugely. And you'll see this Christmas sales of vinyl, buying the the yeah. decks again. People want them. You know what I mean? And to have them and play them. But that's good. It is. Oh, it's a great thing. And I, I, I've started up a little folk club in Navan called Joey Prochita's Folk Club. And we run it every few months. There's a, big, there's a gang of about 10 of us. We all come together and we've brought uh, people like Andy Irvine, the Villagers, Lisa Hannigan. And it's bringing live music back and bringing people together. That seems to be the way mm. it's going for us mm. anyway. Yeah. And do, at the gigs, obviously, people like to buy then. If you have your CDs or oh, that yeah. there, they want it. And, and that's an, an avenue for you as well to put a little bread on the table, you know. Absolutely. In the yeah. pocket. Yeah. But here's the thing. You remember, like myself, I used to love going into the store. You know that? You see my, this action with my fingers with the albums? Yeah. Or the CDs later that you just flick through them or that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yes. Yeah, I still love that. My, like, my wife gives out to me because I come home with a Paul Brady CD or a Waterboy CD and she knows that I've got the Spotify, you know, and she says, why did you go and, you know, that's that's four pints of milk, you know. <laughs> but I, I love to have the sleeve notes. I love to look through the lyrics. Where did they record it? Who wrote the songs? You know, is Steve Wickham on this track? You know, I love all that still. Mm. And I'm... Um, and I actually love to turn the phone off at night when I listen to music, you know. <laughs> You're hearing it today from the great and good in the music industry. Mr. Fleming was talking about this a while ago. Oshin Leach, our star from County Meath, is saying the very same thing. Now, you are, I mentioned, bringing it all back home. You're performing in the solstice. And there are two nights coming up there, the 13th and the 14th of December. Now, the 14th's gone. Sold out. sold out. Is there any availability on the 13th? On the 13th, we, they're, they're here there's 20 or 30 seats left, just a handful of seats. Okay. And we've, we've just announced a very special guest uh, for the Friday, just uh, Sonny Condell is coming uh, from Scullion, uh, of Tiernanog, Scullion Renown, mm. who's a massive a hero of mine. I used to go and see him in the cobblestone upstairs in Dublin and um, songs like In the City and reflections in the shop window brilliant songwriter so we're delighted that Sonny's coming. and he's only going to be there on the Friday so if you're you're booked for Saturday the boys are going to yeah. steal the show themselves Sonny's coming on the Friday on the now. Friday only and there will be special guests on the Saturday on the we'll Saturday. be announcing them okay nearer to the day and tickets are those last 20 to 30 tickets that's all there is are, uh, at Solstice the, at the box office Solstice they're there uh, available you better run over quick you better get that done soon <laughs> and don't cry over spilt milk when they're all gone because as that ad says when they're gone they're gone for the Lost Brothers hot off the press give it to them go on you're dying Tan I don't blame <laughs> you it's just after coming in on the phone to you here at the we break were, we were walking in there Jerry with our, our coffee and our water we got a, a text there to say we're in 
Rolling Stone magazine in France playlist beside Coldplay. And who so, we were just talking about coincidentally yeah, we were, a few moments ago. We were popping up the charts, you know. Look at this man. Oh, <laughs> he's just taken, I think, a, about three inches of, a, of a, a jump up there in height since this news has just come in. Well done to you. Congratulations. And I've just looked at it. My, my reading, and I did French many moons ago. They love you. Hopefully. Can I just tell Hopefully. you that? Get somebody better to translate it, but that's my in- interpretation of it anyway. Now, besides the solstice, where you're back in home territory, what will Vicar Street mean to you guys next spring? Yeah, no, it's a huge gig for us. It's by far our biggest one. Um, it's, it's a, st- it's a co- uh, venue that I've always loved. I've seen Elvis Costello there, Paul Brady. Um, I know that Dylan and Van Morrison have played it. it it's a great sounding room. It's a big room, but it somehow stays intimate for, for a listening concert. So it's a big, big deal for us in March. A uh, big gig for us. Yeah, and look, you've really been going for the decade plus a year, haven't you? you yeah. You've never stopped writing, putting down these six albums, performing, touring, you name it. Yeah, and it's the writing, actually, that's my favourite process. The writing of the songs, you know, whether Mark and I are sitting at a... A boardroom hotel in, in Monaghan or I'm sitting in Navan there, you know, wandering in the rain. It's it's trying to write a song that you think might have a tiny spark of magic. And if it resonates with us, we hope that it resonates with our audience. And 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 in, in any gig, big or small, we, we, we try a new song and if it we, if it hits some kind of alchemy, we keep it and we go and record it. So that's what keeps us going, the songwriting. Yeah, but you guys have that to a fine art now. You're down to a T, you know that yeah, saying as well. Yeah. And after all this time, that's unsurprising. But look at every new album, every new song, I'm sure is a challenge It is for you. Yeah, it very much is. I'm lucky. Mark's an amazing guitar player. So I'm very lucky. Like he's, he's one of the best in my books. He's one of the best in Ireland. And, um, and I bring my... You know, I hack away on my guitar and, and the two voices work well together. And we try to work on our craft, like any craft, whether it's, you know, a carpenter or a, any. It's a, it's like a job. And we wake up and we, we give it our all and we try to craft it. Um, and hopefully we're getting better. But it's been a slow rise too for us. You know, mm. we haven't written a... Top of the pops yet, Jerry? Ah, listen, <laughs> that all lies ahead. You're only a young fella. After the fire, after the rain is the name of the album. Sort of topical at the minute in the world, in, in in this world, when you look at all those weather patterns. Yeah, who came up with that name? It's so so. It's there. There are two songs on the album that we've. Uh, after the fire is on side A of the record, and after the rain closes side B. So we bookmarked it like that uh, for the crack. You know, like. To give it a shape, like an old ja- it works jazz record. Well, it yeah. really does. It, it has a lovely ring to it, also. So, beyond uh, Navin and the Solstice in two weeks' time, and just reminding you again, 14th is sold out, but Friday the 13th of December, there's a handful of tickets there yeah. if you'd like to go along and see uh, the boys. Then you come into the new year and you're touring again. And is that the plan? Yeah. So we kick off in London at the South Bank Centre. Uh, and then we come over, we get Belfast, Oma. Letterkenny, Cork, Galway Town Hall Theatre, uh, Castle Bar, an Irish theatre tour. And we'd be playing the new record and, and all the older songs too and mixing in a few Everly Brothers covers as well. Ah, yeah. what a night is in prospect at all those places. I want to play this single and I want them to hear it in its entirety. It's called Fugitive Moon. Why this one? Why did you pick this? So it's, it opens the album. 
And um, it was one of the first things we did in the studio. Um, Tony Garnier, the bass player, came in. He had he had never heard the song before, and he the bass he played Jerry was Charlie Mingus's actual bass, the old jazz performer. And it's a song about the River Boyne in Navan, so it was kind of you know close to our hearts. And we said, right, let's put this out as the first single. Let's hear it. Wish you well. Good luck with the gigs in Navin and next year in Vicar Street and the tour and all you're doing. You're one of the real good guys and continued success to both you and Mark McCausland in The Lost Brothers. Thank you for joining us. Here it is, folks. It is the single from the new album, Fugitive Moon. just can't tell over my shoulder I know it's coming soon I laid it all on the line of a fugitive moon I have been Since the day I was born With a racing mind It's been battered and torn Squandered my youth I was bound to lose When I placed my life in the a fugitive moon Standing Where the born flows Who knows Where the time goes And the fugitive moon Makes a shadow of you Always running from view Damn the fugitive moon
Jay, it's really good to see you again. You too, Jerry. Thank Thanks you. for joining us. He has a recommended white and red that will uh, you will enjoy, I promise you, in late November and into early December before the real Christmas part of the year gets going. Let's get straight to business. Your white this month is Rick. Yes, it's a Villa Maria uh, from New Zealand. I think it's a label everybody would recognize in particular for the Sauvignon Blancs. Uh, but Riesling is also one of the other uh, main white uh, varieties. And what year are you going with here, Rick? Well, I've got a 2017, uh, Jerry, and I want to stress that because when I was looking for the wines, they all mixed up. Yeah, 2017, 2018, 2019. Now, it's a Riesling. And um, Riesling, you really want a bit of age on it. It's a strong grape variety in its own way. So uh, I brought two in. 2017 is the one I recommend, but I brought 2018 just... To yeah. let me to, have a little yes, taste and, and see, and see the, the difference. difference. Give me yeah. the 17 just to this have a little tip straight away. So this is the 2017. The, yes. I'm familiar with this wine. We've enjoyed yes. it, I have to tell you, at yes. home. And it is a gorgeous, gorgeous wine. Yes. And it's widely available. You you yes. got this one in super value. I got this and in super will value. Uh, 11 euros okay. on special. So let me taste this. 17, here we go. Yes, 2017. Rick, it's like a coating... It's yeah. beautiful. I, I it mean, is. it's a beautiful, beautiful white wine. It is. It is. For the Riesling, you know, compared to the uh, European yes. Rieslings, it's uh, I'm getting a honey on the... Yes. On, on the on the uh, palate there, and yeah. it just sort of nearly coated my palate immediately. Yes, it's a beautiful. I could drink that on its own. I know you have a yes. food pairing with it, yes. but I could take that happily by itself. Oh no, you you would manage that, Jerry. It, it's got a bit more weight than, let's say, a Pinot Gris or a Sauvignon okay. Blanc for you. But uh, yes, it 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 definitely and Valle Maria, of course, uh, one of the most uh, prestigious and most awarded uh, uh, wineries in. New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah. Now, yeah. I brought the water just to clean yes. my palate there. Cleanse the palate, So, yeah. this is the little yeah. um, test yeah. today. This, this is 2018. This is 2018, uh, Jerry. And just, f- you know, as a comparison to the uh, 2017. Okay. Let's go. 
By there's a difference. It is, Jerry. Isn't there a difference? It is. The 2018, I thought, was a lot more sharper, but... My mouth is drier. Dry, yeah. Yeah, it hasn't had time to really blend and settle. Uh, there's a 2019. I didn't even bother going there. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that be. That Leave needs that. time. Yeah, that needs time. But here's a real lesson for you folks from list, from uh, Rick today. When you go in to buy this, these bottles are all mixed. As you said, the 17s, 18s, 19s. Yes. So important. It's the 17 you want in this Riesling. Absolutely, Jerry. And that's what we emphasise over the last five and a half years uh, to make sure you get the right year, the right vintage we are discussing. That's yeah, amazing. That's amazing yeah. just in the year of a difference that it makes there. Yeah. Beautiful honey coats the palate, the yeah. other dryness straight away. Straight it, away. Straight away. Yeah, it hasn't had time no. to really settle. And also the labels are perfectly matched, even if you read the back. <laughs> yeah. The only difference you'll see here is the year, hopefully, and the alcohol percentage, which really doesn't count for a lot. One is 11.5, one is 12. But in terms of law, if you're within 0.5%, you know, it's mm. it's equal. So, in all practicality, that might be equal, but very important the year. Okay, yes. New Zealand, just in general terms, yes. before we move on, uh, mm. a very recent uh, world wine producer. Yeah, I mean, if sixties and seventies, I remember, believe it or not, I was about, and it was all about rugby and sheep. And a very damp environment, <laughs> getting up at four o'clock in the morning to listen to a rugby match, you know. Um, and uh, believe it or not, a, a connection to Brexit as it is today, you know, because until I think it was 67, they uh, had a very big trade relationship d- dependent on meat, wool and dairy. And of course... Uh, Britain then joined the what is now the EU in those days it was the EEC so of course all that changed that had to stop so really they were looking at uh, reforming the agricultural sector and wine which was there but n- nowhere near what it is today yes. you know mm-hmm. and they started off with what was considered marginal areas because grapes will survive there and of course yeah 1985, uh, Cloudy Bay produced their very first Sauvignon Blanc, took the world by storm, and they've never looked back. They haven't, no. and it's a famous, famous label. Yes. Let's move on to the red, because we're a little tight of our time today on, on yeah. your feature on the show. Um, so you've moved from the uh, New Zealand islands yes. to their neighbours for, the, for neighbors, the red. Just across the, the, yes. the water, as we say, to Australia. And this is the uh, Nugan uh, estate, uh, Jerry, a very, very different uh, uh, style. The grape is, uh, this is a 2016 Shiraz. It's a limited release, just to let uh, listeners know, but it's made in a very, very different style. And that style is where they um, air-dried a portion of the grapes, almost like the apacimento style that we, we know about. Um, and then uh, after fermentation, put it together with the must after fermentation, then left it on oak for 18 months. Now that in itself tells a story because when you dry uh, grapes, obviously you intensifying flavors and concentrating. So uh, an 18 months on oak, 14.5%. Yeah, 
this, this is, is a big, big boy. Yes, it really is. Yeah, yeah, I'll have yeah. a little taste here. So this is the red, and again, mm. it's from Super Value. Yes, Nugan Estates, yes. uh, Shiraz, twenty sixteen, and a much Rick, how much is this about? Uh, it's thirteen. 13, which I think is a real... And it's one of those wines, Jerry. The first one will hit you. The second one will settle a bit, you know. <laughs> That's gone straight to the boots. Yes, definitely. That is a definitely. big, bold red. But, you know, I, I know you're going to tell me. Obviously, with, with uh, red meat, this would yes. be a gem. Yes, yes. But you know what? It's lovely in its own, right? Oh, you could. I mean, <laughs> as long as you're near the bed. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be all right, Jerry. You'll be fall all right. in. <laughs> fall in as fall well. Fall in. Jerry. It is yeah. lovely. It is intense. Look at the depth of color. Oh, you can see it, Jerry. Look at um, it on the nose, the depth. Yeah. You can you can understand that eighteen yes. months in the in, in the oak as well. It's yeah. all coming off that wine there. Absolutely, Jerry. Uh, um again about this wine, something yeah. you wanted to bring our attention to. This wine needs decanting, you say. Absolutely. For Jerry. how long? I would go two hours minimum, Jerry. Decant it, leave it there for two hours. It really needs time once it's open. The funny thing is, air, oxygen, is wine's biggest enemy. And yet, it's also your biggest friend in this case. You know, when you don't want that oxygen in because it'll destroy it, at the same time, now you want it to just release all the flavours. To enjoy and, it. And, yeah, absolutely. What way do you decant your wine? What do you put it into? I, I've got a big, literally big glass jug. Yes. Big, wide open on the top and literally just pour in. Some people might think it's not very etiquette. I enjoy it. But the more space you have, yes, circumference in the jug, exactly. it ex- exposes more of the wine to the air. I- exactly. That's exactly what you want. And then you put Jerry. it back into the bottle after a couple of hours, can you? Or do you uh, just pour it from the jug? Uh, it wouldn't have time to get back in that <laughs> bottle, Jerry. <laughs> We're not talking about a genie here now. We're talking wine, Between Jerry. Between falling into the bed and emptying the jug in minutes. Yeah, what are we yeah. at on late lunch today? <laughs> <laughs> no, ah, uh, but look, uh, it's 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 a cracking red again. Just to be specific, pork. What else would you pair it with? Yeah, just uh, I I had it with steak and yes, uh, and, and then I had it with a lovely uh, Guinness stew, a real thick, heavy one. Yeah, and it worked very very well with it. And uh, a friend that was with me, who's a, a vegetarian stroke vegan, um, she had a, a mushroom uh, yes. dish. Um, and that that was went down very well with it. You right. Know. Okay. Yeah. So lovely. And uh, again, to say, you know, sure, Australian wine. We when we went through our wine tour of the yeah. world, it's the seventh biggest producer yes. on the planet. And yeah. and these people, the Nugan Estate, um, back in the early 1900s, they're originally Spanish. That's right. That's right. I think it was 38 or somewhere around there. They left. Uh, Spain and uh, went over to Australia and they were originally fruit farmers fruit and vegetable and then uh, in the 60s 63 I think the parents retired and the son took over uh, sadly he uh, passed away I think it was 1985 and the wife carried on but expanded the wine side yes and it was in 2002 when they got a state-of-the-art uh, 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 wine um, uh, press put up and uh, never looked back. You know? just m- and at one stage before that, they were the biggest producer of carrot juice that they exported to China. 
Really? Yeah, in the Southern Hemisphere. It's amazing, isn't it? Lovely story. Still in the family. Yes. And I think that's, you know, these days with big corporates and their, their, their money and their financial backing and marketing, it's lovely to see a family still Mm. operating like and this that. again is the shiraz grape aka syrah so syrah, it's the same yeah. it's the same yeah. grape we're talking about here exactly one of the same just the french mm. obviously with, uh, just coming back to uh mm. the riesling there yes. can i ask you again i want to come back to this because this is important because we're tasting it today they're probably near enough room temperature and yes. it's gorgeous yes does it need a chill at all the riesling or not as much as say a sauvignon blanc Jerry, because the the nose is quite shy on the wrestling, so mm. you still want those flavours to come mm. out. But yeah, just a slight chill on it. This one, I mean, I didn't even chill this because of the day it's in, you know. But uh, fifteen twenty minutes, if you take it off the shelf in a in in the yes. supermarket. More than enough. Yeah, I, I I always hark back towards you said to me many times we, we do over chill. Absolutely. And what are you just, drinking? You're getting nothing actually from nothing. It. No, no, the, the flavour just closes mm. up, uh, Jerry. It, it, yeah, that, that's all you're doing, and that's not what you want to uh, yeah, enjoy. You're not yeah, enjoying yeah. them at not the at finest or the best all. by any means. Yeah. Well, you've opened my eyes today. The difference twelve months can make, and when yes. you're out there buying. Yeah. Be careful. Pay attention to the labels as well. And that's a white to enjoy now and a red uh, as well that you can pair with lovely food as well. I'll just drink it as Rick says, but uh, drink plenty of water with it as well. Absolutely. That, that is Definitely. the message. So look, you'll be back with us uh, soon enough because uh, the month is short, of course, in December, which are recommendations yes. for the Christmas table. Yes. We are looking forward to that. And he's going to cover off everything for us when he comes back in a couple of weeks time. But for the moment, Rick Cronje, as always, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you for joining me again on the show. That's a lot on Late Lunch for this Thursday afternoon. Just to tell Laura Lynch, you're going along to the Joe Dolan Show. Yes, in Ashbourne, Saturday the 14th at the Ashbourne House Hotel. Joe Dolan, of course, is associated with Mullingar. Thanks to everybody who sent us in answers. See you tomorrow. Have fun. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Dacia sales event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Call in to see how shockingly affordable a new Dacia is in the new year. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.